When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore best football and football mashup podcast. My name is Asa Smith. I'm your host. Uh, I will not be just monologuing into my phone slash computer. I will have guests. We will talk about the U.S. men's national team. We will talk about Big Ten football. We'll talk about Pac-12 football. We'll talk about the Champions League, the other Champions League, the Premier League, the MLS, all sorts of fun things across the spectrum of football and football, as they say. Um, we'll also touch a little bit on the NFL, but the NFL is boring, so, you know, whatever. Uh, so the first, uh, the first thing that we want to talk about today, and it's important because it is the basis for everything that we do here, and that's the U.S. men's national team. Uh, the most recent news is that we will be having four games in nine, ten days uh, during the, the end of May, early June windows. Two of those games, well... Ideally, two of those games will be the semifinals and finals of the Nations League. One of them is a friendly uh, with Switzerland in Switzerland, and one of them is a friendly with Costa Rica in Utah. So the initial friendly is probably going to be Euro-based. Uh, Weston McKinney, in an interview, mentioned that he would only be there for that friendly, and then he was off taking vacation. So we learned a little bit about what the Nations League roster is going to look like. We're going to have to have, figure out who that second uh, number eight is. You know, obviously, I think Yunus Musa has sort of put himself in the discussion for, for an automatic starter. But for that second eight, you know, we assume it's going to be Sebastian Legette uh, because that's who Greg Berhalter trusts. But we also got to think about, you know, maybe, maybe we do play Gio Reyna a little more centrally with a healthy Tim Weah out on the right. Maybe we, we put in Brendan Aronson, or maybe we, you know, completely shift our, our style, you know, the same way that we, we went with a three back in, during the last window. We go three back and we just have Tyler Adams and Eunice Moose in the middle with uh, three, three center back 
and the, the wingbacks of, of Dest and Robinson. Um, obviously, Kristen Pulisic uh, is, the, is the automatic starter. He's not going to be there in Switzerland because, oh, by the way, he has a Champions League final to play in. Um, and we assume he's going to be playing. He's going to be starting um, because he is, it's unquestionable at this point. He didn't start the last game because we believe Thomas Tuchel is a little bit defensive. Per, perhaps it was the yellow card. Um, perhaps there's a certain familiarity with him as a more of a, a super sub. But, you know, in terms of the no doubt U.S. men's national team starters, you know, it, it starts and ends with, with Kristen Pulisic and, and Serginho Dest. And I think Josh Sargent is still a no doubter. Tyler Adams is a no doubter. Uh, John Brooks is a no doubter. Uh, and then, you know, you sort of put in the pieces elsewhere. You know, is Gio Reyna a right wing? Is he a pressing eight? Where does he fit in best? Is it better to have him as a pressing eight and put Tim Weah out on the right wing and, and play a little bit more wide and more forward uh, on that right wing? Obviously, Christian can do what he wants on the left, and we sort of all accept it. Uh, and, you know, with Josh Sargent, he's, he's more of a, a dropping nine. Um, yeah, I, I hate using the phrase false nine because I don't think it's meaningful because I think positions are useless, but as that sort of dropping nine, you know, for those of you who watch the premier league, Harry Kane does a similar thing where, you know, you think a strikers is supposed to play, you know, exclusively within range of the opponent's 18 yard box or shoulder to shoulder with, uh, the opponent's center backs, you know, Josh Sargent is, is dropping deep, you know, he's coming to get the ball. He's letting the wingers run off of him which is much more in the vein of a Tim Weah than a Gio Reyna. You know, Gio Reyna is, is a, little more, a little more deliberate, a little bigger, a little, I don't want to say slower, but deliberate. So he looks around, he scans the field, then he makes that pass. Um, whereas a Tim Weah, you know, you can just, you, you, you let him go. He, he can go down the, down the flanks. So that being said, um, I personally am very excited for the, the Costa Rica game because I think we're going to see a lot of MLS players, younger players. Hopefully we can get Cade Cowell. Hopefully we can get some of the players that should have been part of that Olympic qualifying team. You know, Eric Williamson, um, Paxton Pomacall if he's healthy, uh, Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe up top because those are the players that we're really going to want to understand and, and see if they can give us something. Um, I think Daryl DK has sort of graduated to being the, the no doubt number two uh, at the nine up top. But, you know, getting him a full 90 against Costa Rica, against CONCACAF uh, competition would be huge. And it would give us a really, really good understanding of, you know, he, he can play in the Barnsley system where they kick it up to him and his job is to be big and wide and athletic and strong. And also, I mean, nobody here is saying that he's not technically gifted. Of course he is. But there's a difference between technically gifted, you know, rocket right foot and technically gifted, um, you know, being able to string together a couple dribbles, a couple of moves, you know, making making plays in the ways that that other nines might be able to like Sargent. Um, you know, maybe Matthew Hoppy comes back from Germany and, and gets to play a little bit in that game. Maybe we're looking at Ferreira. Maybe we're looking at Pepe. Um, but that'll be an interesting thing. If we can get Cade Cowell up there, you know, is Cade Cowell a winger? For the, for the national team, he's a striker, he's a nine for San Jose, but is he more of a winger in the, in the U.S. men's national team uh, context? You know, you look at uh, Brandon Aronson, who, who we all thought was a pressing eight, but it turns out he's a winger in this system because it's more of an attacking mid-roll. Um, 
So I think that these are the, the interesting things that we're looking at in this first window, this first setting. Um, and it's an, it's an exciting time for the U.S. men's national team. You know, we haven't played meaningful, meaningful games in like 18 months. So I think this summer is going to be great. We're going to be looking at the Nations League. We're going to be looking at the Gold Cup. We're going to be looking at, you know, World Cup qualifying in the fall. And plus, we've got these friendlies. You know, we've got a friendly against Switzerland. We've got a friendly against Costa Rica. These are teams that are measure games. You know, we're going to have a Euro-based, I assume, roster for the Switzerland game. And we can see who's, who's ready to go, who's, who's, who's able to do it. Um, we won't have Stefan. We won't have Christian. But we will have players like, is Ethan Horvath the number two? Or are you looking at a Matt Turner as the number two in goal? Um, Stefan, I think, is, is probably unquestioned number one. But who is that number two, and, and can, can anybody abroad take that role? Uh, we, we hope that, that Horvath can find a better situation you know, beyond Bruges because he's never getting minutes there. Um, but if he could find a place where he could get you know, number one minutes in a good league, you know, Netherlands, Belgium, um, even France, even the, lower to, the, the, the mid-table teams in France, I think that Horvath could really see, you know, we could really see who he is and what he's going to do. Um, but with that said, I think that we should, we should shift over to the Champions League a little bit with uh, my good friend, Greg Saradarian. Gregory Saradarian, welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast. Well, uh, thanks for having me here, Coach. Uh, feeling pretty good today. How, how are we doing on your end? We're doing good. We're doing good. We're, uh, we're a day out from from champions league semifinals so we know the finals so what what are your thoughts i gotta i gotta hear your thoughts on on the last couple games the last couple games all right so i watched a majority of the manchester city psg game uh as we have previously discussed um i thought potch's uh tactics were a little interesting uh while i do appreciate a attack heavy uh match every once in a while not every once in a while i i prefer attack heavy but um you know having your entire back line within 40 yards of your opponent's goal doesn't necessarily seem like a recipe for success i think at some point you have to have somebody back to cover uh (laughs) whether it's one person or two whatever uh and then i was actually I guess I shouldn't be that surprised, but uh, it got really chipped. It was chippy before the second goal, and after the second goal, uh, you know, PSG kind of seemed to do away with all formalities. There was a lot of questionable tackles, and then it looked like Manchester City just <laughs> said, fuck, can I swear? Yeah, you can swear. It's fine. Thank God. Uh, yeah, they just said, like, fuck that. If you're going to play that dirty, we're going to play that dirty. Uh, I think I saw like three yellow cards in the span of five minutes of game time. So let's, let's talk about that second part. Cause I think it's much funnier. Um, you know, as, as uh, longtime listeners of this podcast, know we are, we are big fans of remember the Titans. Do you think obviously. that this, obviously, do you think that this is, is a reflection of Neymar? Like, can we talk about the fact that this team melted down and, <laughs> And name attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I think it is. I, you, you're going to. I mean, we, we're we're using it as a joke, but like, 
your team is going to take on the personality of your leaders. And I've never really thought of Neymar as that much of a leader. Um, so I, I'd like, I guess I have to get my like Neymar stand, takes out of the way first. I think Neymar is an incredibly gifted athlete. Uh, I do think he's unfairly targeted by a lot of opponents. And as a result of that, it's kind of like the, you can't call holding on every pass play uh, theory. If you tackle Neymar enough, they can't call a penalty every time. But at the same time, he does – I think he takes it a little far in his complaints and his uh, – like when he goes to the ground and acting like every single time he gets touched, he they just tore his ACL or something. Um, and so I, I do think that, you know, uh, the rest of the team is going to emulate – who their best player is or the, who their leaders are. And for the past, what, three years, four years, your leaders have been Neymar and Edison Cavani. So you're going <laughs> to have a bunch of whiny bitches. Like, I mean, there's it's, no other way of putting that. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's, there's nothing else to be said about that. Although it's, it's interesting, you know, we've, we've talked about this in the past, about, you know, the way that narratives get shaped. And the fact of the matter is, is that I don't think – there are a ton of sides in the world that can hang with Manchester city when their best player is, is not on the field. And, you know, as, as, as much as people talk about Neymar jr. As, as, as the elite of the elite, the fact of the matter is he's the second best player on his own team. And, you know, Mbappe is not out there. You're, you're, you're going to have a bad time. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, um, I guess that's more of a shaping narrative for Neymar too. Like, the reason he went to PSG is because, allegedly, he wanted to be the guy. He wants to be – he thinks he is going to be a legend. He thinks he's going, he's going down with Pele and Maradona and uh, Ronaldo and Messi. And the fact of the matter is, whether it's just bad timing or, you know, he doesn't – he's pretty open about the fact he doesn't really like to train. Uh, and he's, you know, going to try and get by on his natural talents as – uh, huge as those might be, but the fact of the matter is, like, it might just be bad timing. Like, you made a move to Barcelona, but you already knew that Messi was there, and Messi is a top three player, unquestionably of all time. And then you move to PSG, and you think that you know some of these guys might be aging out, like a Di Maria or a Cavani, and then all of a sudden PSG just uncovers, you know, Usain Bolt with a right foot just hanging out in Monaco and it's like, all right, well, he's already French. So this should be pretty easy. Um, and, and so that, that's more of the narrative to me is whether or not Neymar can ever become like the second, the second banana. I know he was, I know he was okay with doing it at Barcelona, whether you want to argue he was the second or the third, I say third because Messi and, uh, Suarez's little bromance was pretty clear from even across the pond. And we're but, still, um, I, and, and just as, as longtime listeners of the podcast know, we are upset that, that Suarez had to leave. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. 
Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, incredibly upset. Uh, I wanted to see, I thought that we were getting pretty close to Suarez and Messi just kissing on the mouth on the pitch. Not there's uh, anything wrong with that. We're, no, nothing wrong with that at all. If you have a guy who can set you up every single game and can help you, you know, increase your goal per game average by a half a goal or a quarter of a goal, whatever it was, you got that man deserves a kiss on the lips. No question. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, Neymar, Neymar moving into his own. So when you go to when you go to a Barcelona and you understand that you're going to be the second banana, I think it's a little bit easier. When you go to a PSG and you think, okay, they're their main guys are aging out. Like, this is my time to shine. I get to be the guy. And then all of a sudden, you're not. I think how you handle that, will, or how Neymar handles that uh, in the next two or three years is going to be more defining for his legacy than really anything else he's done besides getting injured and then Brazil immediately losing 7-1 in the World Cup. Which was hilarious. It, it was hilarious, but, like, that says more, that says more about... <laughs> Uh, the rest of Brazil. That says a lot about Neymar without really like Neymar doing anything. Like ah, like, like wh- what's the, what's the inverse of the of the Ewing theory? Is it just like common sense? Like you lose your best player and then you suck. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Yes. Uh, so how yeah, so how Neymar uh, approaches being, you know, you you'd hope he'd be a more complimentary player in the next couple of years as Mbappe. Because what's Mbappe now? Like twenty. Something like that, 20s. Something like that, and Neymar's like 29. So Neymar's still got a little bit of his peak left. But he's not, he's not going to be the best player on his own team unless he takes like some ridiculous monumental step forward. Uh, Which, and ha- I mean, I got to say, you know, Barry Bonds has showed us that that happens all the time. That's incredibly true. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if that would translate as well to uh, football, but, you know, man, he's got to try something, right? I mean, you got to you got to do what you got to do. So um, we have a we we as as is the case here, we 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 spent too much time on one game and we're we're, we're going to have about 90 seconds on the on the other. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about uh, earlier on the show about about cap. But, you know, accepting accepting Christian Pulisic, what did you think about yesterday's game? Uh, so I did not watch that one as much as I watched the other one. Uh, so I have a lot less takes there. I think, though, that when you put Christian Pulisic on the uh, pitch, good things happen. So you don't start – well, so we did talk about this because we made a joke about Timo uh, scoring because Timo, as um, – I'm not sure if you've mentioned this or not yet, Timo's had a bit of a hard time with his first uh, year in England. Nobody's, uh, no, nobody's, nobody has shares that opinion with you. No, I'm all <laughs> alone on that island. Uh, <laughs> So it was kind of funny that, you know, Timo was the one that broke the game open. Uh, but then the one that really put it away was assisted on by Pulisic. So, and we've seen over the past couple of weeks, and you and I talked about this off air. I, I, it really seems like, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, Tuchel, Tuchel. Tuchel? Tuchel. 
what, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Tuchel was not playing him as much at, when he first started, when he uh, came on for Lampard, because, uh, you know, I guess Christian was injured. And he seemed to be more injured than we really thought because Tuchel was putting him on like the 87th, 88th minute and stuff like that, which I thought was kind of dumb. Uh, but then he showed as soon as he was healthy and Tuchel started giving him the time, he, he can make stuff happen. So uh, I, I kind of hope that he doesn't run back to Germany. I know that that's not necessarily the opinion that everybody else shares. But I think that uh, with a coach who is more attuned to what he's capable of, I think that the uh, tactics can be molded more towards his strengths, which I don't think there was something that Lampard was really committed to. I think Tuchel's a little bit more committed to it. Uh, I think Lampard kind of felt pressure to play, to play his new shiny 200 million euro, whatever. German. You, 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 you can say it. 200 million euros worth of Germans. Well, usually that gets you like at least six Porsches. Uh... <laughs> well, uh, thanks, Greg. We uh, we really appreciate it. We got uh, we got to cut it off here, but um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much for being on. Can I say one more thing, real quick? No, I'm going to cut you off. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, make the whole team out of right backs. We'll get there le- next week. <laughs> All right. See. Ya. Thanks. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great today, Coach. Do you know why I'm doing great? Tell me. Because I get to make podcasts with my friends using the Anchor app. It, and, well, you know, I, I get why that makes you happy, but certainly you have to pay for the Anchor app. You know, you'd be surprised to find out. Completely free. Completely free. But they say nothing is free. Well, apparently podcasting with your friends can be through the Anchor app. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's like you got to have some like super complicated studio or editing software, right? You know, I can't say that confidently, but since you're the one that edits all of our podcasts, I'm fairly confident any moron can do it. Well, you know, any, any moron can do it because, again, I do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can edit well. You can't. I can't. I don't really know how to edit. But you can do it through the Anchor app. It supposedly makes it easy. You're just not that good at it. It's all right. And we, when we say you, we mean the royal you, listener. Not just you, Asa. Uh, or but, you, Greg. Right. Uh, and not just you, Greg, you, Greg, but you, Greg, Greg Burrell. Who, who I assume listens. Does, do, do we have confirmation that Greg Burhalter listens to the podcast? We have confirmation that a Greg listens to the podcast. Why do we need a second one? I mean, you certainly don't need an extra G. No, that's just, right. that's incredibly wrong. Um, but, you know, people listen to our, our podcast and they, they listen to it all over the place. So does that happen by magic? It, it might. I don't know how we got a Czech Republic listener. <laughs> well, I think it's because the Anchor app distributes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. It does. It's very easy to find. I've been able to find it on at least two of those services. And, you know, isn't that what the whole point is? Spotify, Apple, Google. Our what more do you need than those three? Right. Our tech overlords have made it clear that that's what you need. So that's what you need. What, what do you want? Um, 
So here's here's probably the biggest question. Um, it is well established that you get pra- paid in breakfast tacos. Yes. Um, but if somebody wanted to be paid in perhaps fiat currency, such as dollars or pesos, could they do that through the Anchor app? I don't personally understand why they would choose to do that. But yes, the Anchor app is willing to pay you in fiat currency instead of breakfast tacos, if you are so inclined. We're... we're we're just saying that if you wanted to trade your podcasting voice for fiat currency that would then be used to buy breakfast tacos, you could do that. That's your choice. Your uh, ideas intrigue me, and I would like to sub- subscribe to your podcast. And I can do so using Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Just go to Touchlines and Touchdowns and click that little follow button, and you'll hear from us twice a week, every week. Every week. Um, so it sounds like this podcast, which is very professionally done, is all done in one place through the Anchor app. It sure is, which makes bridging our four different time zones a hell of a lot easier. Sure does. So do you want to do you want to do the call to action or do you want me to do the call to action? Be my guest. <laughs> this is a professional podcast. So. Dear for listeners and friends, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, do not put anchor.fm slash TLS underscore N underscore TDS um, because we don't get anything from it. So just go straight to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app so you too can trade fiat currency for breakfast tacos. That's really the dream. So now we're going to shift a little bit from the pitch to the gridiron. So this is this is sort of the uh, the beauty of the show is that we go from from soccer to football and football to soccer and football to football and football to football. Um, so here we go with a uh, a nice segment we have on Michigan State sports and Michigan State football with Jonathan Dwarren. Jonathan, do I have you on the line? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, all right, we've got Jonathan Dwarren here. We're uh, here to talk about the football that is played with your hands because of historic funness. So, Jonathan, how are you doing today? Uh, today is pretty good. It's, good. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Big Ten country, and that's that's what we care about. So let's uh, let's let's get right down to it. Uh, let's talk about Jamison Williams and why Michigan State can't get elite talent. I think the, uh, the the biggest issue right now facing Michigan State sports is that they have nothing to show. Um, so until June, when kids can really start getting on campus and experiencing all of the, the changes that Mel Tucker may or may not has made over the, the course of the last year, um, we're not going to know until June. And so right now you're selling last season's football games, which outside of two um, were pretty terrible. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. They were really bad, weren't they? 
Uh, yeah, and and not only was it bad, it was the type of um, it was the type of bad where it wasn't entertaining to watch in any way. Um, again, outside of two games, um, whereas the rest were basically just a uh, a red box bowl versus Justin Herbert's Oregon, but every week out of the year with the also the understanding that we were playing in the middle of a, of a global pandemic. And I think I think that that's like one of those fun things that historically we're going to struggle to remember. But the fact of the matter is, is that Mel Tucker did not get a spring practice and, you know, was trying to institute a completely new defense, um, a moderately similar offense. But but, you know, you're, you're talking about completely new terminology, completely new coaches on the offensive side of the ball. And oh, by the way, they were bad on offense. Like, I don't think that's a surprise. Right. And and so. As we are hearing more and more of this information about kind of the the differences between learning online or learning through an iPad versus in-person learning, you would have to imagine that sports would translate very similarly to this, right? And so it was kind of a unique, in the history of college football, no one has ever had to do their onboarding process completely online. Um, right, with kids getting sent home and you're basically learning this new game plan. You're learning who your new coaches are, who your new recruiting directors are, all of these things. You're learning them through a Zoom app, right, or a go-to meeting, something that is completely foreign to these kids at the time. Right. So you're telling me that there was not Zoom during the pandemic of 1918? I say, uh, I think... Um, the, it impacted recruiting in a different way. <laughs> I, I guess like the, the thing that I was just thinking about is like, you know, that there was there was a, a booster at like Georgia in 1919, super pissed that they were not able to utilize the flu pandemic in a way to draw people south. Like, you know, that that happened. <laughs> yeah. Or or you think of like the school who who complete like maybe. Probably know the University of Chicago had the number one ranked recruiting class that year, but they all succumbed to it in the same week. Like we we have no way of knowing, but it is interesting to think that MLB was able to pull off a season during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the longstanding hatred for their players and fans actually sort of worked in baseball's favor this time. Like, they didn't yeah. care about history. They didn't care about doing it the right way or protecting their players. They were just like, nope, we're doing it. Do, does, does history matter? No. Do, do, does player safety matter? No. Can we shorten games? Sure. Okay, great. Season happened. Yeah, and you would think that, again, with all of these changes, they would have made something at least entertaining to watch. Um, but I guess that... <laughs> Again, similar to asking MSU football. <laughs> yeah, we're asking too much. Just like, like, don't hate your fan base and players. Maybe we can get somewhere, uh, Major League Baseball. But so back to back to Michigan State, and obviously the big news out of the last week was uh, the streak ended, the NFL draft streak. Um, and obviously, I think that that the the most important thing for me and and for you, I assume, is how that colors the D'Antonio era. Uh, mm-hmm. So as 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 our our listeners might not know, you know, you and I are staunch defenders of the D'Antonio era, even at the end. But how does that how does this change for you? The reality is that 
Mark D'Antonio is still a Hall of Fame coach in my eyes. And sometimes you invite a Hall of Fame coach over for dinner and he leaves an upper decker in your toilet because <laughs> that's that's what Mark D'Antonio left for Mel Tucker. Did him no favors between the timing of it, between the types of talent he left on the roster and between the types of players he left in his recruiting class. Um Right. So he did him no favors. The The one favor that he does give Mel Tucker is a lot of leeway in the sense that it is made super apparent just how little talent was on the roster. There was no NFL talent on it. Right. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, though, looking on these current players, whether or not this is a an 80-year flu or an 80-year pandemic, or if this is something that does happen more and more frequently and, and we find ourselves left out of many infographics from years to come. Well, I guess I guess the question that I have is looking, you know, up and down the roster and, and looking at the transfers and, and seeing what you're seeing. I mean, do you see any, any NFL draft talent next year? I mean, I, I guess in my you're looking at Xavier Henderson, maybe. Xavier Henderson you know, and Jaden Reed are probably going to be the two who who will come to mind. There's a lot of excitement about Reed, clearly, wearing the Charlie Rogers number, um, getting a lot of offseason buzz. But we had that offseason buzz last year as well, right? So uh, it's kind of hard hard to know at this point. Right. Uh, and, and, and the and thing I, that – Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the thing that's still going to be concerned is who's throwing him the ball and, and do they have – time to to count to three uh, as they're back there in the pocket and I think that's that's really you know people are really excited about Jaden Reed people are really excited about Xavier Henderson you know and, w- and when you talk about the transfers coming in you know the the headlines are are Crouch and Joyner and you know maybe Fitzpatrick and Carr but I really think when you talk about coming in the players coming in this year you know I think Jarrett Horst is is where it starts and ends you know he is if he's the real deal, you know, what do you think we're looking at here? So the, the beauty of, of bringing in a player like Horst is not only is he a plus at a tackle position, but by bringing in that, that plus immediate impact right away starter, you're able to, to let some shakeout happen and, and you start seeing some of your, your other players play their natural position, moving inside, getting to not play every single down, um, I think that the, the depth that a player like that can bring is really exciting when you think about what it means for a player like AJR Curry or a Kevin Jarvis um, and the flexibility that it offers our offensive line. I was going to say, who do you think, who do you think's happier with the horse uh, transfer Jarvis or Kaplovich? <laughs> I, you got to think Kaplovich uh, because I would say that's an area where the transfer portal has a lot of potential because you, you don't find ready-to-play right-away players for the offensive line. Um, it's very rare. Certainly wasn't something that happened um, over D'Antonio. You would maybe get a, a redshirt freshman like Jack Conklin who can come in and make a, an immediate impact. But we're seeing the, the struggles of being unable to develop talent for that full year, for that full first 18 months of a player's time in East Lansing. Um, so I think you got to think the coaching staff is really excited about bringing in an impact player. And it's almost, it's a little surprising that uh, they only brought in one, one player on the offensive line, considering uh, what last year looked like. Sure. Okay. So I've, I've got, I've got a one more minute for you and I got to ask, 
why does the NFL not understand that when you're a good quarterback in college, you're usually a good quarterback in the pros. And when you're a bad quarterback in college, you're a bad quarterback in the pros, because I don't understand how Zach Wilson goes ahead of Justin Fields. I you're don't right. Understand. This is a really good time for me to spend 35 seconds talking about how what happened to Connor Cook was nothing short of character assassination. <laughs> Uh, he was wrongfully accused of being a poor teammate and we allowed this narrative to just permeate the entire draft process and it built up this reputation that wasn't true and it wasn't fair and so I think that the original example of cancel culture just being wrong for our society is what happened to Connor Cook uh, and and we owe him better than than how he was treated. He did a lot for us, and, and we, we let him down. All right, Jonathan, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and talking, and uh, go green. Hey, go white. Looking forward to the next time. All right, thanks. And with that, we've come to the end of the first Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast. I do want to get into a, to our, our mailbag question, and obviously, as this is a long-running podcast, we, we get a lot of mailbag questions. So the first question comes from reader Asa Smith asking uh, about how the podcast, what is the official podcast position on positions? Uh, And they don't exist in any sport outside of football, where you have rules that make it so that you have a certain number of people on the line and a certain numbers can catch the ball and can't and who can catch the ball and can't beyond that positions are social constructs. They don't exist. You don't have to abide by them. If someone says that they're a right back and they spend most of the game in an attacking format, Maybe they're not a right back. Maybe they are. Why do you get to choose what someone else identifies as? George Bello identifies as a left back and spends half of his game in the box. You know, uh, Harry Kane identifies as a striker and spends most of his time in the middle of the field. So remember, you don't have to abide by what other people call positions. You can say that you're whatever you want. If you want to be an attacking mid, be an attacking mid. Now, this is the point where we point out that Owen Otisawi is the avatar of this podcast. We love him. We deeply, deeply have affection for Owen Otisawi because Owen Otisawi does not believe in your positions. Is he a center back? Is he a holding midfielder? Is he a winger? Is he a striker? He doesn't know and neither do we. And it doesn't matter because he can play wherever he wants. It's, it's a game. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. And in, and in football... Percy Harvin's a running back. He's a wide receiver. He's a quarterback sometimes. He's a tight end. Sure. Kyle Pitts is a tight end and a wide receiver. Why not? Doesn't matter. There are, there are roles and they, they don't exist. Uh, this is also where I point out that uh, basketball positions are actually meaningless, but this is not a basketball podcast. We do not acknowledge the game of basketball and have to move on. Um, with that, I want to thank you all for, for coming on this journey with me. We, uh, we will be back next week with additional episodes we will have some discussion of the weekend's games in in the premier league we will have some discussion of americans abroad we will have some discussion of the mls and we will also have some discussions about spring football and what you're looking forward to coming into the summer so feel free to subscribe feel free to like us on twitter tl underscore n tl sorry tl at tls underscore n underscore tds uh we'll be posting some stuff there as we grow and uh, make sure to like subscribe all that other fun stuff so that we can continue this community of people who enjoy football and also the other football. So thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.